0: We're in the midst of the period of Bein HaMetzarim, the three weeks from Shivasah Hamus to Tisha B'Av, two of the four fast days that commemorate different facets of the Churban, and I say the Churban, the destruction, and we'll see in a moment whether these days correspond to the Churban, the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash, second Beit HaMikdash, perhaps both. Before we get to the daf mikorot, the page, the source page, I'd like to just read from Zechariah Perik Zayin. It does not yet appear on the page. <laughs> Zechariah, in the beginning of Perik Zain, v'hi Bishnat arba le'daryavesh amelech hayad vav hashemel Zechariah v'arbaa le'chodesh atchiy be'kislev. And it continues in Pasuk Gimul Lemor Asher Levet Hashem VeLanvim Lemor This seems to be either a halachic question or a rhetorical question. We're now building the second Beit Hamikdash. Shall I fast? Shall I cry? Shall I wail? In the fifth month. Fifth month being the month above. The question being. Now that we are moving towards Shivat Zion rebuilding of Beit HaMikdash does the Tisha above does the fasting of for in, in commemoration of first Beit HaMikdash destruction is it still operative is still in force shall we continue fasting in spite of the fact that we have a second Beit HaMikdash this could be read as a she'ela baHalacha, a question halachic. Inquiry, or it could be read rhetorically. Haifke, shall I, shall I cry in the fifth month? Isn't this ridiculous? We're now building the Beit Hamikdash. Of course, the the fast days are off. So this is the question of Parshanut, the question how to read the psukim. But one thing is clear: we have a response. The response is a beautiful response, but somewhat enigmatic. And this leads us to source number one, is Zechariah Peri Ket, Pasuk Yutet, Ko Amar Hashem Zvot, V'Tomar Avi, V'Tomar Shvi, V'Tomar Asiri, the fast of Tammuz, the fourth month, the fast of Av, the fifth month, the fast of Tishrei, meaning Tom Gedaliah, the seventh month, Tishrei, V'Tom Asiri, the fast of Tevet, Yelevet Yudal Sasonu Simcha U'Lomadim Tovim V'Emet V'Ashalom E'Havu. The fast days will be converted into festivals. Yamim Tovim. What's conspicuously absent, when exactly is this going to happen? Is it going to happen tomorrow? In ten years? In three thousand years? It's a beautiful promise. One thing is clear. That those who thought at the moment that this was imminent... They were proven wrong, because it has not yet happened. However, there are those who believe that this pasuk dictates the halacha that in Beit Sheni we would not fast these fast days. Would they be converted into Yomim Tovim? Perhaps not, but the fast days are off. Not all agreed with that statement. We'll see soon. The Rambam was of the opinion. It's found in Perusha Mishnah to Masechet Rosh Hashanah that during the entire period of Bay Shani, we continue to fast Tisha B'Av. With regard to the other fast days, they were still there on the calendar, but optional. But Tisha B'Av was obligatory, even during the second Beit HaMikdash. And it's clear that the Rambam saw this Pasuk in Zechariah, Perichet Pasuk Yutet, as a vision for Aharit HaYamim. And he says it so clearly, signing off Hilchot Aniyot in his Mishneh Torah, the end of Perekhet. The problem of the Pasuk, from a Parshanut point of view, Tzoma Ravit, Tzoma Hamishit, Tzoma Shvit, Tzoma Asiri, all we have is the month. We do not have the particular date. We don't know what day in Tammuz, what day in Av, what day in Tishrei, what day in Tevet. And for practically all of these four, they are subject to somewhat dispute. And the question is, to what particular episode in the saga of the Khurban do they relate to? So I'll just take Tevet for an example. We fast the fast of Tevet, Asarabi Tevet the 10th. But the Gemara tells us there was an alternate opinion that we have to fast on the 5th of Tevet. Not that there's an argument of historical nature whether the Babylonians lay siege around Yerushalayim two and a half years before the Hurban, whether it happened on the 10th or the 5th. No, no, no. We accept the view of Rabbi Akiva that the Tzom HaAsiri, the fast of the Tevet, the 10th month, commemorates that particular early stage in the Khurban, the siege around Yerushalayim. It was very, it must be said it was the first stage of the onset of the Khurban. Whereas Rabbi Shimon arguing says that there was an event that occurred a half a year after the destruction, on the 5th of Tevet, and that was when the Babylonian community caught wind of the fact that in Yerushalayim there was a Khurban. One individual... Vayavoha Palit, a refugee, somebody succeeded in, in fleeing the scene of the korban, and it took him a half a year to reach the Gola, the Diaspora in Bavel, and reported on the korban. See, we're, this is very strange to us today, in the age of CNN and SMS, where you know, soldiers go to battle with their cell phones, and a war doesn't start before every, every camera of CNN is in its right place. That's the way life is today. But just as if, God forbid, the sun would explode, we wouldn't know about it for eight and a half minutes because it takes the sunshine, the rays of the sun, eight and a half minutes to reach planet Earth. It took six months for the Babylonian Jewish community to catch on that there was a destruction. And Rabbi Shimon says, The day of just hearing the bad news was as traumatic, traumatic, as the Yom of the qurban, and hence, according to Rabbi Shimon, the fast of Chodesh HaAsiri was the fifth of Tevet, not the tenth of Tevet. So you have a dispute as to what Zechariah was talking about, the four fast days. And we will focus on the Psalm HaRevi'i. We call it Shiva BaTammuz. But did that happen? What happened exactly on Shiva BaTammuz? And to help us along, we're going to use the services of a great Paitan, a great poet, Shlomo Ibn Gabirol. Yes, he's a poet. He's not a street in Yerushalayim or Tel Aviv. (laughs) And in the slichot that Ashkenazim say on Shivasar and and you have it on your source page, and I took it out of the Rosenfeld edition, so you have the translation as well. (laughs) She'ein ne'esar. You can just see the first stanza is a shin, the second stanza is a lamed. The third stanza is a mem and the fourth is a hey. It spells out shlomo, very characteristic of the medieval poets, the acrostic of their name. Signing off. She ne'esar ashenim sar biad bavel ve'gam seir. She'e is an expression of please, supplication, prayer. She'e <speaking in Hebrew> v'ratzon, we say it now davening. Ne'esar, <speaking in Hebrew> the captive. We are the captives. We are the asirim. We ask God to listen to our tfilot, we, the prisoners, to listen. Asha Nimsar, who was given over? Who are the captors? Biyad Bavel, Vigam Seir. Babylon was one. Who is Seir? Seir is Edom, it's Asav. But who is it historically? Rome, exactly. So we are Nimsar twice. We were nimseru to the Bnei Bavel, to the army of Bavel, and to the Romans. We are moaning for, for, for so many years. We can't even count them, as we say, Like little babies, we're crying. The day that the enemy vanquished us, overcame us, we were we succumbed to the enemy. And the wall was split. the Now that's an incident that's mentioned in Yirmiyahu, the very last chapter, Nunbet. It's mentioned in the last chapter of Molachim Bet, Kafei, that the Babylonians crashed through the walls of Yerushalayim. And we know the Romans also crashed through the walls of Yerushalayim, because that's the way war was, was carried out. First they lay siege, and then they waited until there was suffering, hunger and starvation... And then the people become very irritable and agitated. And usually half the job is done by the insiders. And then when they're so weak, they make the move to crash through the walls. So the Babylonians started the whole procedure on the 10th of Teveh, two and a half years before. And then when they were ready, they crashed through the walls in the month of Tammuz. The Romans did the same, 500 years later. Ibn Gabriel says... This happened on the same date. Yom Gavar HaOyev Vatibakahair. It was Babel and it was also Seir. It was Rome. And therefore, when we fast on Shivasar tammuz the 17th of Tammuz, it commemorates the same military action of the Babylonians and then the Romans, 500 years apart. And to this end, we're going to examine what do the sources say? Back to the source page, source number 2. Hear me out, the fourth month, which Tammuz, the ninth of the month. The hunger, the famine was strong. There was no bread left. And that's when the Babylonians made their move. It says the ninth of Tammuz, not the sixth, not the seventeenth. Source number three. The Gemara in Masechet Rosh Hashanah Yutchet Tanya says a Brayta Amar Rabbi Shimon Arba Advarim Hayar Rabbi Akiva Dorish Vani Ein Dorish Kimoto. There are four matters on which Rabbi Akiva has an opinion. I have a different opinion. We're not going to see all of them. One of them I just gave you about Tevet, about the tenth or the fifth. That's one. But here the Brayta begins. Let's take let's dissect the pasuk in Zechariah. So Ma Revi, so Ma Chamishi, so Ma Shvi, so Ma Siri. So how does it begin dissecting? Toma Rabi? what is the date of the fast of the fourth month? Ze shebo Hufka It means that there was a fast day after the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash, on the ninth of Tammuz, the day the Babylonians crashed through. Shnei as it says, b'chodesh l'chodesh, v'lo yalechem la'am ha'aretz the very quote of source number two. And why was it called Rivi'i? V'amai Mai lai Rivi'i? Because Rivi'i la Start counting from Nisan. Tammuz is the fourth month. So here we have a halachic source telling us that there was such a halachic animal called the fast of the ninth of Tammuz. And it was fasted for 70 years between Beit Mishon and Bayit Sheni. Now we have the classic source, and source number four, which is the Mishnah. In Masechet Ta'anit. And it says Khamishadvarim Eruatabuteinu Bishivasarba Tammuz. five things happened on the seventeenth of Tammuz, and five things Bahishab Tishab. We're concerned now with the Shivasabmuz. Bishivasarba Tammuz, number one, Nishtabua Lukot, Moshe Rabbeinu, in Pashat Kitisa comes down and sees the eagle and releases the luchot, and they are broken. Butal ha Tamid, the Korban Tamid, the daily sacrifice of morning and afternoon, Korban Tamid Kurban Korban Tamid Abayim, was abandoned. They, they, they could not continue. Verufka'ir, and the walls would crash through. Et there was an incident of a public burning of Torah, which the Gemara tells us Gemara, which means Masoret. We don't have all the details but there was some tradition that on the 17th of Tammuz there was such a burning of the Torah. V'emitzelem behechal. V'emitzelem behechal is that uh, there was an incident that the also does not have the full historic background, but there was a, some type of a statue uh, put up in the Beit HaMikdash, uh, a, a deity, a avodah zara, an idol of sorts, and uh, this also occurred on the 17th day of Tammuz. So you have five incidents. If you just flip back, I see that it's a, it's a flip, to the poem of Ibn Gabirol, the second stanza. The second stanza recaps what we just saw now in the Mishnah. Lezot ikaf kaf. It's like a person is going to with clap his hands simply because of the tension and the, and the, 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 the terror. The Yom chamesh pizaruni. Five things happened here on this day that we're talking about. Yom Gavarr Ha'Oyei Batipakarir Alregel Ha'Egel Haluchot Yitzauni, <laughs> Val Hishmid Atamid Umeatzato Kilaani Velachad Tsarir Miftzar Ubasoger Heviani Vusam Elil BeHichal Kalil V'Datcha Tsar Ba'eshivir. And uh, you can see, you don't have to translate every word. You can see what you have here is a poetic rendition of what it says in the Mishnah. These five items of shivasar betamuz—that's what it says in the Mishnah. I go back to the source sheet. Page one. The Gemara asks the question. Source number five. The Gemara says, "What do you mean hufka ear bishivasar that the Babylonians crashed through the walls?" of Yerushalayim on the 17th. That seems to be the impression of the Mishnah of source number 4. Five things happened on the 17th of Tammuz. The third item was Hufka'ir, um, that the walls would crash through. And the assumption is, we're talking about the first Beit HaMikdash. That's the assumption. The Akhtiv, it says in Yirmiyahu, which was source number 2, it happened on the 9th, not on the 17th, and immediately afterwards it says, which means that the crashing of the walls in the first Beit HaMikdash by the Babylonians took place on the 9th of Tammuz. Rava, Rava has a response, no problem. The two Beit HaMikdash destroyed. And there were two foreign armies, conquerors. The Babylonians crashed through on the 9th. The Romans crashed through on the 17th, 500 years later. So when the Mishnah says that on shiv'a Betamuz, Hufka it refers to Churban Bayit And the Gemara brings a a supportive breita the Tanya, as it says, Barishona Hufka Batishabatamuz, the first time around, the first Churban, the Babylonians crashed through on the ninth, Vishniyah, leading to the second Kurban, The Romans crashed through shiva Sarbo. Now's not time to discuss if there was a Breiter. It seems that Rava is coming up with a big Chidush. Did he know or not know of this Breiter? That you do when you study the Sugyot of the Gemara. That's a bona fide question. Just throwing it out to the air. Um, but here the Gemara is using the Breiter as supportive material. Okay. Now, on this. Idea, which seems to be a very very healthy conclusion, so everything's in order. There's a pasuk in in Zechariah telling us Tzom Ravi'i. There is a an episode in Yirmiyahu Nun Bet telling us that this occurred on the fast, the month of the of Tammuz Chodesh Ravi, specifically on the ninth of the month, and that was the Tzom Ravi'i that Zechariah was talking about. But 500 years later, there was a korban and the Romans crashed through on the 17th, and the Mishnah is reporting to us that on, on the basis of Shini, the Romans crashing through, we fast on the 17th of Tammuz. So if you look at source number 6, source number 6, the authors of the Tosvot, in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, they're commenting on source number 3, the Tosvot says, Tosvot is going to help us along you're learning, you're studying now Masechet Rosh Hashanah. Maybe you never studied yet Masechet Ta'anit. Why? Because you're learning Lafiya Saidh, you're doing dafiaimi. And you don't know that Rava is going to come up with this split answer of Kan Barishona, Kan Bashniyah. So here the Tosvot is anticipating and Tosvot says, Yes, what the how the 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 that teaches us that Somaravi of Zikaryah means the ninth of Tammuz, Haynu Barishonah. This refers to the leading up to destruction of 1st Beit HaMikdash. Aval the Romans leading to the second kurban, Hufka'a bi This took place on the 17th Tammuz. Umishum hachi, now the authors of Tosfot are getting halachic. The question is, whatever happened to the fast of the 9th of Tammuz? Did anybody ever hear of it? Do you fast it? It's not in the calendar. And if it's not in the Luach, forget it. Nobody's going to fast it, right? Umishum hachi, and therefore, Avdinan bi we, t'anit, we fast on the 17th of Tammuz. Why? The, 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 because, we'll see in a moment, the, we suffer directly from the second destruction and only indirectly from the first. Tosfor says here, and this breita quoted in Masechet Rosh Hashanah indicating that Tzom HaRevi'i means the 9th of Tammuz is found, a parallel is found in the Tamrud Yerushalmi. Matnitan B'Yerushalmi. V'gar Ba. And there it says, Tzoma What exactly is the fast of the fourth month of Tammuz? There it does not say the ninth of Tammuz. It says, Be'yud Zayin. On Shivasar Bet-Tammuz, the Babylonians also crashed through the walls of Yerushalayim, leading to Churban Bayat Rishon on the seventeenth. But obviously you have a question that's going to openly contradict the Pasuk in Yirmiyahu that says that this event took place on the fourth month on the ninth day, Bakodesh Harabi B'Tish Abo. So Tosw says, quoting the Yerushalmi or paraphrasing the Yerushalmi, Viafagav. In spite of the fact. Dekhtiv Bikra reads in the Pasuk in Yirmiyahu. Betisha'a on the 9th. Nevertheless, it happened on the 17th. So why did Yirmiyahu have the wrong date? Answer. And I never would have said it on my own. Kilkul cheshbonot hayu. There was a mix-up of the dates. This is not a funny comment, Chabotay. This is very serious. Kilkul Cheshbon. You want to elaborate and explain it? Let me just finish the line. Upalig a Shas Didan, and the Yerushalmi is arguing with our Shas. Our Shas meaning the Bavli. because the events were so tragic and they were so involved in this upheaval of korban. Tau the people made a mistake in terms of their, their reference to time. Yirmiyahu knew exactly the date that the Babylonians crashed through and it was the 17th of Tammuz and he passed it down through the channels of Torah Sheba per the oral law. But what he commits to writing in Torah Sheba Ketav, in Tanakh is the wrong date that people thought it was the 9th of Tammuz. Why was that important? So that we, 2,500 years later, should feel the entire impact of the korban. In Hebrew we call it the Balagan that was going on. And this is a very serious comment. And I'll digress just for a moment. Yesterday I came back from Poland. And um, one of my trips to Poland, with the Yeshiva and Chashmonaim in Nertamid, we met up with a wonderful woman, Holocaust survivor, who, Baruch Hashem, from Kibbutz Yavna, Sarah Tesler. And she was 17 years old in Auschwitz. And she told us a story. And these are 12th graders, you know, everyone's a gather, you know. And she told us a story. that when She was in Auschwitz, so there was one point coming back from the work detail. They passed the fence, and the men came from another direction, passing the fence. And that was the only mode of communication between the men and the women camp to find out if somebody was alive. And one day, one of the men yelled out to the women, Tomorrow's Yom Kippur. They had no idea when Rosh Hashanah. They lost, completely lost track of time. There was no Shabbat. There was no Yom Tov. nothing. Tomorrow's Yom Kippur. Sarah Tesla decides on her own. I'm 17 years old. I still have some Koyach. How many people in Auschwitz are going to fast Yom Kippur? She took upon herself to fast on Yom Kippur. She goes through the whole day working in the work detail, fasting. And as they're coming back, and obviously everybody's Oiske totally drained out, and she doubly so, some man calls from the other side, we made a mistake. (laughs) tomorrow's Yom Kippur. And she decides not to break her fast and to go for 48 hours of fasting. And when she comes back the second day, another man says, we think we still made a mistake. Either yesterday was Yom Kippur or tomorrow's Yom Kippur. Today for sure wasn't Yom Kippur, according to our Cheshbon. And Sarah Kessler looked at HaKadosh Baruch Hu and says, I don't know when Yom Kippur is. But I just fasted 48 hours. You should accept it as a Yom Kippur. And I had 12 graders. I could have mopped the floor with a sponge. They were in tears. This is called Kilkul Cheshbonot. I never understood it until I heard sarah Tesla. This is Kilkul Cheshbonot. When you hear such a, 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 a detail of the Shoah, you ha, it, it gives you a more complete picture of really what it was. And Chazal teaches us in the Yerushalmi that Yermiao deliberately distorted the date so we should understand what kind of mess was going on at the time. But if they mixed up the, the date for, uh, for the, the breaking of the walls, then they possibly also mixed up the date of the So it just so happens, I mentioned at the outset, and I'm not going to go into all the four dates, <laughs> that there's a dispute as, as to which date we are to... Um, Fast for the destruction of the first Beit Hamikdash, and I'll just give you an inkling. Just uh, because you made the comment, I'll say I'm one foot. The Yerushalmi tells us that Yermiyahu who receives the vision that we read for the Haftarah right after Shabbat Hamuz, makel shaked aniroe. He sees a stick, an almond branch of almond stick. Why an almond? So the Yerushalmi teaches us a lesson in in the botany and says that from one stage to another, in the development of the almond, you have three weeks. You have three weeks. I hope this is correct. <laughs> Just say yes. <laughs> the uh, the Yerushalmi tells us, the pricha, from the pricha to the budding of the, of the almond, three weeks pass. And Yermiyahu was taught that there's a three-week period. The only catch is, you have to know when the three weeks end. You have to know when three weeks begin. So if it begins on Shabbat Tammuz, count three weeks, it's Tisha Bav. But if it ta- starts on the 9th of Tammuz, when does it end? It ends on Rosh Chodesh Av. You know, the comedians would ask, if Tisha Bav came out on Rosh Chodesh, do you fast? <laughs> I mean, that's a Jackie Mason line. But uh, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. The Yushalmi entertains the possibility that the Beit Mikdash was destroyed on Rosh Chodesh Av. And to that end, there was a fast day, according to some, on Rosh Chodesh Av. And Am Yisrael, there was a consensus after the Churban of the second Beit HaMikdash to go for Tish Bav. And it remains as a vestigial organ in Shulchan Aruch, Orech Siman Tavkuf Bey, that Rosh Chodesh Av is a Tanit Tzadikim in memory of the Yorzeit of Aaron Hakohen, the only site mentioned in the whole Chumash. In my humble opinion, here was born the Mishnah. The connecting of Rosh Chodesh Av with tishabav Not to forget that there was such a tradition that the korban actually took place on Rosh Chodesh Av. So you have three weeks. The question is, where's the three weeks? Okay. Now let's look at uh, source number seven. This is the Yerushalmi. Yeshami says Vufkair, Ktiv, but it says Bitishalachodesh Hufkair. It says clearly, as they say beferish in Yirmiyahu, 9th ninth of Tammuz, the Amar you say, Hakin, you're saying this that it happened on the seventeenth, Amar of Bar Khanilai, Kilkul Khashbanot, Yeshkan. This is where the Tosfot in Masahid Rosh Hashanah took it this from, lifted it from. On the Halachic level, source number eight, we follow the Bavli. As is generally done. And in that case, the Bavli entertained the thought that there were two fasts of Tammuz, the 9th and the 17th, but we prefer the 17th. And the Shulchan Aruch tells us, <speaking> in, <Hebrew> in spite of the fact that it reads in the Pasuk, <speaking> in <Hebrew> We don't fast on the 9th of Tammuz, we only fast on the 17th of Tammuz. Why? In spite of the fact that the Babylonians crashed through the wall on the 9th, Since the Romans, leading to the second destruction, crashed through on the 17th, The Chazal instituted that we fast only on the 17th, Mishum de korban bayt ch'ni chamir the second korban is much more serious for us which means we suffer directly from the second korban and only indirectly to the first of course the obvious question is why don't we fast both so the mishnah bura in source number 9 tells us betet ligzor gam de dai there's too much you cannot have too many fast days we have a Tisha B'av, and now we're going to have Shabbat Talmud, and now you want another one on the 9th of Tammuz. So the, the basically the idea was drop it, drop it. Okay, so we have a, a conclusion here of sorts that there are two fast days, but halachically we've accepted for our halachic purposes Allah HaMaseh at the 17th. But what happened in Ibn Gavri Roll's poem? Shei Nesar, Biad bavel Vagam Seir, Ze yom gavar Ibn Gabirol neglected the fact that in the Talmud Bavli, the Babylonians did not crash through the same day as the Romans. Obviously, Ibn Gabirol adopted the viewpoint of the Talmud Yerushalmi, yom gavar vati as the Romans, so the Babylonians. They both crashed through the walls. On the 17th, and he takes, he adopts the Yerushalmi line. And this will become very important for the end of the poem, at the end of the Shir, hopefully. And uh, and let's examine now what becomes the, 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 an exciting part of, of Parshanut and Halachic discussion, the Rambam. Um, I, I, I usually say that, uh, you know, in Yeshivot, Many many people make a living for the last 800 years dealing with the contradictions in the Rambam and um, giving shurim on the Rambam. I think the Rambam may have planted some of these miksholim, these uh, st- just to give fuel for all the Shivas to, to say Torah. Can you imagine if there wouldn't be a problem in the Rambam? The rovs the levracha the would have been out of business. I mean, so let's take a look what happens. And the question that I'm examining is how did the Rambam Treat the pasuk in Zechariah Tzom Which fast did he have? Did he think Zechariah had in mind? Source number ten. And this is the, the Rambam's commentary, Mishnah commentary to Rosh Hashanah. Ube Bayit Chini. The question there is that the Mishnah tells us that the Beit Din would send out uh, messenger people for only certain of the months because people had to know when Pesach is, so they would send out messengers. For Rosh, for Rosh Chodesh Nisan, so that people could adjust their calendar to know exactly when Pesach would be, and other months. So it says, Al chodeshim, Shluchim Yotzim, for six months out of the year, it was necessary. It even mentions Hanukkah, and it mentions Purim, that for Kislev they were sent, for Adar they were sent, and for Av, it says, Va'av B'nei HaTa'anit, because of the fast. And this is what triggers the Rambam to say, that in the month of Av, Tishavav we were still fasting in Bayit Because they were sending the Shlucho Beitin to inform when was Rosh Chodesh Av. So the Ramah begins by telling us, U'be Bayit Cheni lo ayu Anim lo asiri BeTevet v'lo But the other fast days, it includes some Gedalia also, Ela o shelo yitane, It was optional. So because it was only optional to fast during Bayit Shani, the other fast days, There was no need that Beitim would have to send out messenger boys to to tell you when Tevet was or when Tammuz was. With the question of Tzom Gedaliah, it's a moot question because it's after Rosh Hashanah. And if you don't know when Rosh Hashanah is, you're not going to know when when Tzom Gedaliah is already. Well, the Fikrach says the Rambam, lo yu yotzim al Tevet al Tammuz. Now, Amar Hashem. Amar Hashem, it's in Zechariah. Ko Amar Hashem. Tzom HaRivi, Tzom HaChemishi, Tzom HaSiri, Tzom HaSiri, and so on. This is all a synopsis, a, a summary, a brief summary of a half a page of Gemara, how he did, how the Gemara deduces that there are options here. Just don't quote me wrong here, these fast days are not optional today. But there was a scenario in the Allah of option. And here he's now defining the Pasuk. On the line, who Shivasar who This seems to be Parshanut. He's not halachically teaching me. He's he's explaining the pasuk in Zechariah. He cites the whole pasuk and he says Tzomaravi means the seventeenth of Tammuz. That's okay. The Rambam many times goes with the Yerushalmi. I wrote a whole article on this. That's true. That's not a problem. That the Rambam and Ibi Gabirol picked up on the Yushalmi that, the, that the, the fast of the fourth month is not the ninth, but it's the seventeenth. And if you want to accept the kilkul chashbonot or not, come up with some other answer, that's a problem of how to deal with the pasukah in Yirmiyahu Nunbet. But in terms of factually, when did the Babylonians crash through the wall, Rambam's defining this as the seventeenth of Tammuz. Well, let's see if that was true. In source number 11, the same Rambam, but several years later, Rambam writes the per- Mishnah commentary between age 23 and 30, and writes the Mishnah Torah, his primary halachic work, the Yad Chazakah, between age 35 and 45. And he writes, The Elu here are the fast days. Yom Shlishi Betishrei, Shebo Nera Gidalia Benachikam. Writes the assassination of Gidalia, some Gidalia. Nikbet Gachalat Yisrael Hanishara Vesivev Lahatam Galutam. The last of, uh, air, amber of Gidalia, uh, of of a flicker, a flame, of, of Yeshua Ha'aretz was extinguished, it means that the Galut began after the Babylonians saw that we can't run our affairs autonomously. Asiri <laughs> b'teveit, shebo samach melech b'aver r'ashal Yerushalayim, ve'viya b'matzor m'atzor. Tent of Teveit, Nebuchadnezzah, Babylonians, lay siege around Yerushalayim. Shebasa b'tamuz, chamisha d'varim eru boher. the Ravman's got the Mishnah right in front of him. The Mishnah that we saw already, which was in source number four. So the Mishnah there, Rambam says as follows, but he adds things. Nishtabu <inaudible> aluchot, yes, the luchot were broken. Two, butal ha tamid rishon, that didn't appear in the Mishnah. The Rambam's qualifying. V'butal tamid mibayit <inaudible> rishon from first Beit Hamikdash. V'huftka'ah Yerushalayim b'churban sheni. Hufka sheni. And then he says the other two. Then what does that mean? Hufka And so too in, the, in source number 12, source number 12 somehow reflects again that the Ramam is defining Tzoma Ravii of Zechariah, which can only react to the first Beit HaMikdash. He says in source number 11, here are the four fast days, That doesn't mean Zohar. It means Sefer Nevi'im. So if the Rambam believes that Soma Revi'i is the 17th of Tammuz, why did he emphasize in source number 11 that the Babylonians, that the Romans crashed through Il-Khurban Sheni? When did the Babylonians crash through? Obviously they crashed through on the 9th. But if he crashed through on the 9th, then Somaravi of Zechariah is the ninth of Tammuz, not the 17th of Tammuz. And so says the commentary, Lecha Mishnah, on source number 13, Vufka Yerushalayim, Avogav Tanit Dikra, in spite of the fact that the fast of the, of the fourth month, the summer v'lo abi el b'ted, which well, only took place on the ninth of Tammuz, mishum duufka ir b'ted, mikol Nevertheless, hashda today, this sounds like Shulchan Aruch already. Avdin lebi yudzayin. We fast on the seventeenth. <muchum> ir biyudzain. We have adopted the date of Shiva Ab Tammuz. But if the Rambam is saying that the walls were crashed through on the seventeenth in the second korban. So obviously he has a different date for the first korban. And what was the date of the first korban? The ninth of Av. So if it was the uh, ninth of Tammuz. And if it was the ninth of Tammuz, why is the Rambam defining the Tzoma Ravii of Zechariah as Shiva Sarba Tammuz? It should be defined as the ninth of Tammuz with some qualification. The answer is that the Rambam did not believe... That the event of crashing through the walls of Yerushalayim by the Babylonians on the 9th of Tammuz warranted a fast day. It did not warrant a fast day. We fast Shiva Sabah Tammuz for a variety of reasons, but it had nothing to do with the Babylonians crashing through the walls. When did the Babylonians crash through the walls? Open the Tanakh. Yermiao, Nunbet. It'll tell you. But for that tragic event, no fast day was made ordained. Why was there why was there a tzon Why did Zechariah speak of the fast of the fourth month? What happened in Tammuz if not for the crashing of the walls? So the tells us, ubutal hatamid bechurban rishon. What does that mean? That the korban tamid. Came to an end. The offering of the daily sacrifice came to an end on the 17th of Tammuz. The offering of the Korban Tamid. Now, don't think for a second, they did not bring the morning and afternoon Korban, but come Rosh Chodesh Av, they brought the Musaf Chodesh or the Korban Musaf of Shabbat, or if somebody gave birthday off, they brought a Korban Leida, or a Korban Todah, Korban Shlamim. You know what it means, Butal HaTamid? They were closed for business. Beit HaMikdash, shut down. That's what it means. And the Korban Tamid, which was the most regular Korban, every morning, every afternoon, whether it was a plain single old Tuesday, or whether it was Yom Kippur, the same Korban, this shut down and everything shut down. Everything but everything shut down. And I can prove this. You don't have this in your source. But since we said the slichot of Shabbat Shabbat HaMuz, just two weeks ago, most probably we remember it by heart, right? <laughs> <laughs> two piutim, two poems. Previously, it begins atanu lecha yotzer ruchot b'rov avoneinu kavdu anachot gzerot utsmu v'rabu tzrichot ki betamuz nishtabru haluchot. I am sure that in the shoes that you davened and said sliches, by the time I read the first stanza, you were up to Kel Melech Yoshev already. <laughs> the way people say slichot, no, you can't do it that way. You have to prepare up front for keynote and for slichot. You have to understand them. And to say slichot in 20 minutes, on shodesh elu or aseret mei you do not do justice to the poetry here, and certainly not on a tanitsi The poet here has eight stanzas. And I'm not going to read you the eight stanzas. I'm just going to la- read the refrain that is, Ki something happened. And I'm going to read each one and take note of the order. When the order of the Mishnah, looking back at a source number five, four, the order of the Mishnah is the shattering of the Luchot, the Tamid, the korban khamid, abandoned, crashing through the walls, the burning of the Torah, and placing of the idol in Beit Hamikdash. One, two, three, four, five. And I'm now reading this piyut in order. That corresponds with number one. Um, item two or stanza two. That's item four. Stanza three. Ki bishivasar betamuz haomad selem behechal. It's item five, so it's one, four, five. Stands the number four. Ki bishivasar betamuz nifkeha That was item number two. That was that was item number two. Ah, three, three, three. That was item number three. So we have one, four, five, three. All right, so he wasn't from Frankfurt, Beseda, uh, you know. Like, <laughs> but there has got to be a reason for this madness. So what's left? Item number two. So let's hear it. So in in uh, number five, ki butala tamid. So we got it. One, four, five, three, two. Wonderful. What do we do with that? We read stanza number six. Ki bishivasav niftilu Stanza seven. Kibishabasava tammuz Gormulanu Avonot. Because there were no longer Khatva Ashamot. No Korban chatat, no Korban Hasham. What's left? Your sins on the record. So stanza number seven, eight, Kibishabasavatamuz, in case you didn't get the picture, Niftilu Ha Corbanot. All of the Korbanot came to an end. And the poet here focuses on the one of the five, the second one, butal tamid, And he says it was the Tamid, and it was Chataot and hashamot, and it was Olav zavach, and, and it was all of them. It was the whole Sefer Vayikra. That's what it means, butal HaTamid. And to this end, the Rambam tells us, B'Tal HaTamid bebayit Rishon. For this was the great tragedy on the 17th of Tammuz, that they made a fast they called that Zechariah relates to at the beginning of Bayecheni. So the question is, if the event of the Romans 500 years later, crashing through the walls, was so tragic an episode that they recorded it for posterity, that it happened on the 17th of Tammuz, and it becomes part of our Shabbat Tammuz, how come when the Babylonians did the very, very same yeah. military conquest and act, we neglected it for posterity? And we have something else. To answer this, we're going to borrow on an idea that our great Rabbi Rav Solvedgek, of Lebracha, the Rav suggested, with regard to the difference between Yerushalayim, its role in the first as opposed to the second Beit HaMikdash era. Yerushalayim's Yerushalayim is Yerushalayim. But when does it enter into the picture of Am Yisrael? In terms of Kibusha Haaretz. Don't talk about the Akeda now. That was Rav Yolshir just an hour ago. What? David HaMelech. David Melech. What do you have in Tul David and Melech? You have the 13 original colonies. Remember that? Before you have the great United States. I don't know how great it is anymore. <laughs> but that's what you had. You had colonies. It was colonization of Shnei Mas and each one doing their thing. And not too much achdut, not too much unity. Occasionally even wars. This conflict, this tension. What was the purpose of Yerushalayim? That Chachamim gave a halacha. Lo nitchalka leshvatim. The city of Yerushalayim was not divided. Not divided becomes as the symbol of the unity of Klau Yisrael on various levels. Aleph, number one, the monarchy. The kingdom of David Ha-Malik, To unify... All the areas of Shoftim. Shuf- of so now we've got one central leadership. One country. And its capital is going to be Yerushalayim. Like Benachem Begin said in Washington in front of President Carter in 1979, Jerusalem, D.C. And they thought he fell off the chair. It's David's capital. Birat the Davir This is Yerushalayim. It unified the Mamlacha of all the Shvatim. And it also unified Avodat Hashem, service of God. Because before Bayat Rishon, you can open up a shtibol in your backyard and it was called a Bama. You can bring Korbanot regionally. Yes, during Mishkan Shiloh for 369 years, the Bamot were prohibited. That doesn't mean they didn't do it. It was prohibited. Like the red light. It's prohibited. Things are prohibited. Prohibited, right? On the books. But after, Churban, after Binyan Beit Rishon, after the construction of the first Beit Mekdash, no longer Bamot. Why? They have the Halakha, the Torah wanted one place and one place only. And it would be Ushalayim. Ushalayim has this unifying factor that comes into the picture 480 years after Yitziat Mitzrayim or 440 years after Yeshua Benun crosses the Yardayim. Right, Pasuk Melachim That's when it happens. Jump many years further ahead. Bayacheni. Where did Yushalaim enter into the picture of Bayacheni? At the very beginning. The whole business, the whole enterprise of Shibat Zion in the days of Ezra Nihemiah is rebuilding the walls of Yerushalayim. The walls of Yerushalayim become the symbol of Shivat Zion. And we have an interesting halacha, a big problem. The sanctity of Eretz Yisrael. You ask a guy on the street who may not be that well-versed in the details of halacha. From when is Eretz Yisrael holy? So some may say from Parshat lech lecha, from b'chirat Eretz Yisrael, who gives Avraham Avinu. It's halachically not true. Eretz Yisrael becomes Kadosh, sanctified. By the time Yeshua Ben-Nun begins conquering Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael loses its kedusha when the Babylonians conquer Eretz Yisrael and send us out. So for 70 years, Eretz Yisrael was not Kodesh, which means that if you happened to have been a straggler and had a parcel of land, and you grew something, you did not, you were not obligated in Shemitah, a yovel, and Trumot, and any of the mitzvot that were Eretz Yisrael-bound, agricultural mitzvot. Mitzvot hatliot Baaretz. Because there was no Kedushat Haaretz. Without sanctity of the land, the, the, you, the, you cannot, the, the, the other mitzvot, literally and halachically don't get off the ground. They don't begin. They just don't begin. Bye-t-shini, second Beit HaMikdash, we have Kedushat aretz. What happens after the korban? There are two opinions. So there are some who believe, Rashi is one of them, that the second the, kidushah, the second Beit HaMikdash time, also expired and we have to hope for the best that maybe today we're developing it once again. But the Rambam takes a stand. He says, no, the second Kedushah in the days of Bayit Shani was never, never expired. In spite of the Churban, in spite of the, Churban, the second the Beit HaMikdash, in spite of the Galut, and he gives a rationale. He says that, that in, in Halakha, we use, use the phrase the machayev, that which obligates, that which brings it about. That which brought about the onset of the Kedushah of Eretz Yisrael in the first Beit HaMikdash was the conquest, the military conquest. Kibush, and hence, when the Babylonians conquered Eretz Yisrael, they undid the kibush that we performed from Yeshua Ben Nun until davin HaMelech. Whereas the bai says the Rambam, we never conquered the land; we came by, we came back by license of Persian authorities. It's not an accident that Balfour Declaration lifts psukim straight out of Sefer Haggai because he saw himself in that role. Of, of, um, of, of giving, granting license to, to Am Yisrael to go back to Eretz Yisrael. So what we had was settlement. And the truth is, in spite of the fact that we had a Khurban and a Galut, we never completely left Eretz Yisrael. Ramam tells us in the Sefer Mitzvot, Mitzvah 153 on Kiddush HaKadah. She says, hypothetically speaking, Chalila me'akel me'asot tabarka, God forbid it will never happen. It was promised doesn't it will never happen. Because if it happens, if there are no Jews in Klai Yisrael, he believes there's no minion in Klai Yisrael, then there's no Klai Yisrael. No Klai Yisrael, if you don't have a minion of Jews in Eretz Yisrael, says the Rambam, who doesn't count Mitzvah Yishuvah Aretz as part of 613, says that if you don't have a minion of Am Yisrael in Eretz Yisrael, you can close the whole shop. No Borough Park, no Golders Green, no Munsi, no nothing. There's no Yiddishkeit, no Yom Kippur, no kashras. Can you imagine no Kashrus? No Kashrus scandals then. <laughs> nothing, because everything emanates from Klal Yisrael, and the fact that there is a Klal Yisrael Nairit of at least ten, and today, Baruch Hashem, six million. Baruch Hashem it allows Kalal Yisrael and Chutzlah to be Torah observant. That's the Rambam. That's what the Rambam says. No, I'm not asking for... An, uh, the Rambam said this. And the Rav gave the following explanation. Being that the Kedusha, the sanctity of Eretz Yisrael and Bayit Sheni, emanated from the beginning, the first moment, which was Yerushalayim, and the kadush of Yushalayim never expired even after the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash. Odd thing happened. The sanctity of Eretz Israel expired after the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash. but the sanctity of Yushalayim never expired. Why? Because it's the seat of a Kadosh Hu. and neither Babbitt, neither Nebuchadnezzar, nor Titus Melech Romi, they can't eliminate a Kadosh Brochu. Ushri Eina Beteila, says the Rambam, in Hilchot Beit which is on your source page on number 14. The Inabatela. You cannot eliminate a Kadosh Hu. And the Rav said that when we continued building outward from Yerushalayim in Bayecheni, every new settlement assumed a spark of Kiddushat Yerushalayim. It's as if the sparks of Kiddushat Yerushalayim jettisoned outward. And, 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 and we're attached to every new issue in Eretz Yisrael. And hence, just as Kedushah Yerushalayim cannot expire, so too the Kedushah of every settlement in Eretz Yisrael and Bayecheni cannot expire either because they are attached to sparks of the sanctity of Yerushalayim. A brilliant analysis. To use, to use an image from nuclear physics. There's a difference between Fission and fusion and how we can release energy from the atom. Right, The, uh, the bomb over uh, Hiroshima was uh, fission and a hydrogen bomb is fusion. The sun is fusion. What is fusion? What is fission? Fission is the splitting of the atom, which then releases tremendous amounts of energy. Fusion is just the opposite. It's from the word fused. You put all the atoms together, the combination, the, the, the putting of the atoms, joining of the atoms together will also cause a tremendous release of energy. There's fission and fusion. Yehushalayim in Bayat Rishon was fusion. Its purpose was to galvanize and unify all of the Shvatim. In Bayat Sheni, Yushalayim's role was fission. It exploded and all the sparks of Kedushat Yushalayim that were jettisoned landed on Yishuvei Eretz Yisrael. And there's a wonderful, wonderful understanding. And therefore, when the Rambam says that there was a fast of the 17th of Tammuz in Beit Rishon, that's because Beit Hamikdash' original role to unify Avodat Hashem through Melechet Korbanot came to an end. The shutdown of Beit HaMikdash as a functioning temple. And that happened on Shiva Tammuz. Butal Atamid, Butal Aulava Zavach, Butal Korbanot Chataot Vashamot, Kola Korbanot. That was the tragedy. It was the symbol of that which Yushalayim was all about. But in Shani, the symbol of Yushalayim was the wall, the building, the settling of Yoshalayim, which then becomes the settling of all Eretz Israel. And therefore, when the Romans breached the wall, that's when it hurt. The symbol of what Bayit Sheni would be all about. And therefore, the Shavasa Tammuz for Bayit Shaini would relate to the, uh, the, the, the 17th Tammuz, the Romans crashing through the wall. And now let's just take a look at the poem again. Let's go back to the poem. Still have a few minutes. The last stanza of the poem. The last stanza of the poem. Here you have Ibn Gabirol who identifies with Yerushalmi's opinion, Yom Gavar Bati ir. this happened on Shivasaba Tammuz, both the first and the second. Right. Just put what I just said about the Rambam and the Rav's understanding on the side, going back to what we said at the outset. It's the Yerushalmi's opinion, both the Babylonians and the Romans crashed through on the 17th. And he continues with the motif that we're talking about both Babylon and Rome. And it says three lines from the end. Bene beth zvul va Gvul haKarmel ha karmel va habashan va ein kakh me etzer u shvot ileim va az yishalem ha mava yom gavar ho yev va chinese What did he say Let's read it again carefully Bene beth zvul rebuild Beit Ha but to do that you have to restore the boundaries va shef you can't have a building Beit Hamikdash until we have a building Eretz Israel. You have to build the boundaries first. Which boundaries? Hakarmel v'Habashan. Where did the Babylonians come in? From where did they conquer Eretz Israel? Mitzafon Tipatach Haraa. From Syria. They didn't come in from modern-day Jordan. They came from the north, and that was known as the the Snake Path, which happened to have been oasis. It was the travel path, and we know that a, a pet pay. Tav Nun Peten is a snake in Hebrew. Piton, Python in English, right? The Python. How do you say it? Python? And we know that Hebrew with Aramaic Bet and pay interchange, and we know that Tav and Shin interchange, right? Slot is three. We know that. So if you just rework the letters, what is Peten? It's Bashan. Eretz of Bashan is the snake bath, and that's Eretz of Bashan in Ramat HaGulan that Chatsi Shevet menashe received as a chilek. From there came the Babylonians. Where did the Romans come from? They came from Italy. How did they get here? They came by boat. Where did they park? Where did they dock? Akko. Kesaria, And what were they looking at? The Hara Carmel by Haifa. That's what they were seeing. So this is a symbol of Bavel and Rome. This is how they breached the borders. By breaching the borders of the Carmel and the Bashan. So we say, Vashayv Gvul, and we say, V'ayin Pkach, V'nakum Kach, ask Kedosh Baruch a little Nekoma, like somebody scratched on the walls in Maidanik with their fingertips in Yiddish, Nekoma. And you can still see it. They want come From whom? eitzer umidishan. Where does that come from? In Pashat Vayishlach, we have the alufei esav, And there are many alufei esav, but some are called this and some are called that. And Ibn Gubbi says, Let's focus on Etzer and Dishan. aluf Azer, and aluf Dishan. They're both Asav. They're both Amolek. The Babylonians, the Romans, but they're different. Why? Because before Babylon, you had the Assyrians, Ashur. When Asher conquered a country, they dealt with displacement of populations. That's how they solved the problem of not having a revolution every Monday and Thursday like having Cairo today. They wanted that the, the local population should be calm. So they took the Aserut Ashvatim and they moved them to the east. And they took Goyim, Gentiles of Devadazarah, and they moved them west. And we call them the Shomranim. And that's what happened. So we see it as a local Eretz Israel issue. But if you just step back and see it in the macro, it was company policy of, the, of, the, of, our, of our Ashur, Assyria. That's how they did business when they conquered countries. Bavel was much more benign. Bavel said the local population can stay in its place pay taxes to the central authority, to Bavel, but you can have autonomy. Bavel was here already conquered Eretz Yisrael 18 years before the Khurban. for 18 years before the Hurban. And you had Yakim, and then you had Yechonia, and then you had Tzitkiyaw. Three kings were here yet, and on the Babylonian. And then there was the Hurban, and the Babylonians said, you know what, put up a governor, Gedaliah and Achikam. Because they still were hoping that the locals could, could, can run the show here. And what did we have to provide? We had to solve the logistics issue of the army of Babylon. Give him a bed to sleep in and give him food to eat. We And that is called etzer. Etzer from Lashon, Otsar, silo, storage. We have a cheshben. The claims conference is here. We have a cheshben to the Babylonians. the well, uh, Hotels cost money. Food costs money. They're going to pay for this one day and pay for it with They're going to pay with interest. That's one bill. The Romans had a different idea. They came, they burnt. They came and they burnt. That's what they did. They burnt, they burnt. You study archaeology in Eretz Israel. How do you know when you hit Rome? When you have the black. You go to the Beit Saruf, you know you hit the Roman uh, conquest. And that's what the, the Python says. We are the silent ones because we're not coming to HaKadosh Baruch Hu with a claim we didn't deserve the khurban. So we're in Elam. We're silent. But nevertheless, v'az yashalaym, that's straight out of Parshat mishpatim. We have a case here. hamav'e hamavir. That's babakama. You look at the source sheet, source number 15. So what is Maver? Hev'er is ash That's the Romans, for sure. What's Maver? So there are different opinions. Source 16 gives me the bavli, banini diushalmi, source 17. He says, And what is the next one? Shen. What is Shen Beregel? Regel means intrusion and shen means food. And this was what Babel was guilty of. They intruded in our privacy and they ate our food. So they are the Mav'er. And who is the Maver? Hev'er, the ish. That's Rome. And therefore, the poem ends with Shvoti Laim Ve Az Hamav Eva We whip out Parshat Mishpatim and, and Mesechet Babakama. And on this score, we have a claim against Babel and against Rome because they did two things. They did the same thing on the same date in two different times. Yom Gavar ha-o-yei Ibn Gabirol has, has adopted the Ushalmi stance from the beginning to the end, identifying the uh, Tzom the HaRavii uh, of Zechariah as Shiva Sabah identifying Mav'eh in, in accordance with Yerushalmi as Shein Varegel and it all fits in this entire, entire uh, idea. And just the last line. So going back to that Pasuk. Tzom HaRavii, Tzom HaChamishii, Tzom HaShvii, Tzom HaSiri Yeh LeBetYuda, Nesoson HaSimcha TOVIM But there's a postscript to that Pasuk. HaEmet VaShalom EHAVU That means there's a prerequisite. When is it going to happen? The great Rosh Yeshiva of this great Yeshiva, Mareinu V'Rabeinu V'Baron Lichtenstein, Kedosh B'Chush, give him good health, V'A'Richut Yamim. V'Baron explained to us once, many years ago, we had two leaders, leadership types, Moshe V'Aron. In Parshat V'Eira it says, Hu Moshe V'Aron. The very next pasuk it says, Hu Aronu Moshe. Chazal teach us, Melamed Shkulim. They were equivalent. Equivalent? It says, Lo Kambi Yisrael ke Moshe Od. How can you make equivalent Aaron and Moshe? So Ravarn said it doesn't mean equally weighted. It means interdependent, like in im kemach, ein torah; im torah, ein kemach. Nobody would say that the kemach and the torah are equally weighted. But you can't do one with one without the other. You cannot have a Moshe without an Aaron leader, and you can't have an Aaron leader without Moshe. Moshe symbolized emet, Moshe v'torato emet, absolute truth, and Aaron symbolized harmony shalom, shalom. Sometimes these two qualities of leadership conflict and it causes havoc and it causes tension. doesn't always work out. But Moshe and Aaron worked it out. The ish Emet and the Ish-Shalom were able to live together and each one in his particular domain function as a leader of Emet and a leader of Shalom, says Harya. When we get that all together once again, I metva e'havu. then the Tsomota Elu will become for all of us Yamim Tovim and Sason Let me just announce there will be a minion for Mincha right here, right now. There's a Machitza here, ladies can daven here as well.